Hey, thank you for joining us today, RVC Online. We're glad that you are here. Uh, we are beginning a new series celebrating Christmas over the next three weeks. And so I hope you can join us for each and every time uh, we meet online like this. Um, a couple things before we get going today. Um, I want to just thank you for participating in the ministry of Operation Christmas Child. We saw dozens and dozens of boxes filled with toys and goods and just help helpful things for young people all over our world. And so thank you for participating and helping make Christmas a special one uh, and really sharing the love of Jesus. You know, I also want to encourage you to, to open your eyes. There are needs right on your own block that you live on. There's somebody who's hurting. There's someone who's alone, somebody you could bake some COVID free, you know, cookies or just something to say, hey, we want you to know God loves you uh, in a, just a practical way of serving them in some way, shape, or form. I also want to uh, bring your attention. We'll be sending an email, th- email out this week letting you know that as we head into the last month of the year, uh, this is a time for us to, um, you know, our year-end giving comes in. December's our biggest month uh, financially as a church, and it certainly sets us up for success in the following year. And so we encourage you to continue to give. We want to thank you for being faithful and giving during this entire time that we've been dealing with COVID-19 in our community. Um, and we also want to encourage you, if you can, that you would consider and prayerfully making a year-end gift to RVC uh, that we might be able to not only help people know Jesus in the new year, but make him known in a fresh and new way uh, in a COVID-free world, man. That's what we're praying for. So today we're going to begin. Uh, it is time. You'll notice that the backdrop here at the Hall House has um, changed. We are ready for Christmas. I think all of us have been getting ready for Christmas a lot sooner, man. We are so ready for 2020 to be done. You'll notice that we've got some extra stockings right up there as my youngest boys get married. So we've officially got a new stocking for Nikki, who's joining our family. Uh, but man, this has been some crazy times, and certainly heading into the holidays, we're starting to feel that, right? Uh, you're, maybe you're starting to watch some movies, the Hallmark Channel's on 24-7 in your household. Here's a spoiler alert, about 15 to 20 minutes before it ends, there's a crisis, there's a misunderstanding, but don't worry, they still fall in love, they still live in a fake little snow world. Uh, maybe you're watching Die Hard. Maybe that's your like Christmas go-to movie. Uh, or like us, the jingle all the way with Arnold Schwarzenegger as he's chasing down that you know Turbo Man doll for his son. The songs are going right. The lights are on the homes. And all of this is reminding about this incredible season where we celebrate the arrival of God's son to the world. Uh, you're making cookies. My wife makes insane pumpkin bread. It's just reminding us, man, we are here. Christmas is here. And as believers, man, we sing out these songs like joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. You know, this is a season where you and I should be reminded of the joy that is ours because of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. The series we're doing is called The Joy of Christmas. That's what we celebrate this Christmas season. It's what Christians are celebrating year in and year out, the joy of knowing God personally. Uh, Peter wrote of salvation, the salvation that is ours because of our faith in him. He says, you believe in him. And rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. 
Christmas time ought to be one that causes rejoicing in our hearts as we recall the greatest event in history when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the world. And yet instead of joy, a lot of us during this season, a lot of our friends and family members, uh, Christmas seems to bring more baggage in their life than blessings, right? It's a time that's, uh, man, gets stressful for us. Uh, you think about, you know, uh, all the gatherings that you're going to do with 10 or less in your household, right? Thank you, Governor Newsom, for that. Uh, you're trying to be faithful to your family traditions in this world of, of, you know, lockdowns and stuff. It's a lot a lot of challenge for all of us to try to really celebrate with our loved ones during this time. It's also a stressful time, man. It's, it's a lot of our friends, maybe even you who are watching right now, you feel a level of stress that you normally don't feel uh, during during the regular times of the year, uh, our families that are broken, a part of RVC, those of us going through financial hardship, the emotional distress that seems to emerge during Christmas time is something very real and is happening the longer and longer we, we are in these, you know, uh, in California, this purple tier lockdowns that we're in. Man, people are stressed out, are hurting, are struggling. Uh, it's a lonely season. It's a painful season for a lot of us. The holidays seem to amplify all that is wrong or all that has gone on in a person's life. Maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one. You lost somebody this year. Uh, It's a reminder of all that goes bad in a person's life or what's missing in a person's life. And and to me as a pastor, it's so sad when when we get sidetracked and we're not able to actually experience, man, the joy that God wants you and I to experience. And so that's why we're gonna look at fresh, uh, with fresh eyes at some of the passages that really teach us about the joy of Christ. Christmas, right? The next three weeks together, the joy of Christmas. The backdrop for this whole series is John 3.16, something I want you to memorize. I want you to share it with your kids. I want you to talk about it and, and meditate upon it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Why did God send Jesus? Who is this son of God that, you know, was sent to the world? Uh, What did he come to do? And what has he come to offer? How do we respond? Well, we read this morning today, or whenever you're watching this, we're going to begin the series in Matthew's gospel, chapter one, beginning in verse 18, where Joseph himself, uh, who was the one who would raise Jesus with Mary, would find out about the coming and arrival of the Son of God to the world. It says this in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
And when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Matthew begins with a genealogy and is filled with all kinds of grace, how God used those who had, who had not lived perfect lives to be the ones that would be a part of the lineage of the Son of God being born. And so David, uh, Matthew connects David because David was the one who God had promised the Messiah would come through his lineage. And so Matthew makes this connection so that we would understand this was the promised one. This child would be like no other. Uh, in fact, the many prophecies that describe uh, who he is, where he would bo- be born, what he would say and do, his death and his resurrection, over 300 major prophecies about this Messiah that would come into the world, which prophecy really is just history in advance, letting us know that, that God said this and it's going to happen. Uh, his miracle virgin birth, which is so key to understanding uh, the story of Jesus and his sinless life, uh, Matthew connects this, uh, this, you know, the fact that Mary was a virgin. She was engaged to Joseph, different than our engagements today, right? This was a legal marriage that had happened. They just hadn't consummated their marriage yet. So here's Mary, and she's pregnant now, and Joseph finds out that she's pregnant, right? And he, instead of actually wanting to embarrass her or actually put her in harm's way, he actually decided, I'm going to divorce her quietly so that nobody will know. Well, she was found with child, and he thought to break it off, and the angel was sent to, to Joseph to remind him or to tell him in a dream that this is all from the Lord, that this child is from the Holy Spirit, and this was going to be the Messiah born into the world, that Joseph and Mary would be the parents that would raise the Messiah that had been promised to Israel to the world. And here to name him Joseph, Jesus, which is Yeshua or Yeshua, which means God is salvation. Again, Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, another great passage to read through this Christmas season, where he says, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, one of the names the Bible gives Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us, or literally with us as God. Theologians call this the incarnation. It's the fact that when God became a man and he dwelt among us. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 also tells us about this miraculous event and and really the dual nature of who Jesus is. Who is this child that was born into the world 2,000 years ago? Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Speaking of the fact that he was a he was hu, it was human being Jesus was a man uh, for us a child is born but he's also the son of God a son was given uh, speaking of the dual nature of Jesus Christ the fact that he was fully God he had all of God's authority he was God in human flesh but he was also fully man he lived life as you and I live it the the second person of the triune God two thousand years ago invaded our world. And he became a man and dwelt among us. Well, why did God send Jesus among us? God with us or with us as God. This week, we're going to talk about this one concept, this one purpose. Jesus Christ was sent to this world for God so loved the world that he gave his son so that he might reveal to you and I who God really is. That he's a God who's full of love and grace for us. 
Think of all the misconceptions or maybe even the thoughts that you've had about God, your friends, this world for ages, the thoughts that we've thought about who is God and what he is, he is all about. You know, humanity's had a lot of misconceptions about God. I certainly did before I found the truth of who Jesus Christ is, or I should say when uh, my lost, you know, Gordon as a lost sinner became saved, man, I began to understand who God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Well, some people think about God, they think, well, he's cruel, or maybe he's detached from his creation. He sort of set things in motion and let's just see where the chips fall, right? You know, just sort of from a distance, I'm gonna let them figure it all out. It is what it is, kind of a God. Others thought he's harsh and he's ready to punish wrongdoing. I certainly had these thoughts about God. He's waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can pound you and judge you, right? But Jesus reveals to us the nature and the heart of who God is. Uh, when Thomas was with Jesus in, in John 14, Thomas said, Lord, show us the Father. Show us who God really is, right? We've been with you for three and a half years. Now show us who God is. And Jesus responded, Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, Paul talks about this in Colossians 1. He says in verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. What does he want to reveal to us about who God is? Man, the fact that he loves you today. He's got love and grace and life that he wants to pour out upon all who would come to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, until Jesus arrived, uh, it's an interesting quote, uh, Rick Warren says it in one of his books. Until Jesus arrived, our understanding of God's love was limited. You think about that. We, you know, you can look at creation, you can see God is so powerful, God is so creative, uh, he's wonderful, he's good, you know, like we have all these different shades of colors and all these different beautiful things that we can experience in nature. Uh, we certainly can see he's powerful, he has authority, uh, but how could we understand his love? How could we understand who he is? And it wasn't until Jesus arrived for God so loved the world that we get to see him in action. And when we see Jesus in action, we really see the heart of who God is for you and for me. This entire season of Christmas is about the love that God has for the humanity. Jesus left heaven to show you and I who God is. You know, the Bible is a story of God's pursuit of us and our sin and our mess and our disobedience and our rebellion. And he longs for you and I to know him, to experience his love, that it would overflow our hearts and that we might have that intimate, close Love relationship with our creator. That's what the Bible describes, right? He longs to give us life. He longs to give us freedom and certainly wants to free us from our sins is one of the purposes that Jesus came. We'll talk about next week. First John 4, 8, though, it says that God is love. Emmanuel, this God with us, he came to reveal to us a God who cares about us, loves us, and he understands life as you and I live it. Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago, and at the age of about 30 years old, for about three and a half years, you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What a great practice to put into your spiritual development as you head into a new year, to just saturate your mind, your heart, your soul with the stories and the teachings of who Jesus is and what he said and what he did. You'll see God on display. You'll see this loving 
creator loving on his creation, those that were in brokenness, those who were in bondage, those that were sinners. You read the gospels, you watch them with people and you see he has love. He's full of love. He's full of compassion for the broken and busted, the lost. His enemies called him the friend of sinners. I love that because I fit that qualification. Jason, who's here today, we both fit that qualification, man. I love the fact that Jesus was called the friend of sinners. That means that I am qualified to become one in relationship with him and have a a fellowship with God. What we learn about God's love for us is that it's unconditional. It's not based on what, uh, who you are. It's based on who he is. It's also uh, unmerited. You can't ever earn this love. There's nothing that you could do to gain this love. And you know what else that means? There's nothing that you could do to actually lose his love for you. His love for you is unconditional and it's unmerited. You don't deserve it. You know, Jesus and Santa, I know we're heading into a season where, you know, people are writing letters to Santa Claus and maybe next week I'll write some of the letters that I've seen people writing to Santa. But, you know, Jesus and Santa are so different. You know, Santa works like one day a year. The rest of the time, he's judging us to see if you're naughty or nice, right? God knows the truth about us. All of us were lost in sin. And yet Jesus was sent to this planet because of his love that he might save us, might free us, might give us eternal life. Here's what the Bible says. But God showed, Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When you're good and you make good choices with your life, when you choose to serve him and choose to honor him, and guess what? When you're bad, when you make poor choices in your life that dishonor the Lord, God's love remains the same for you. He so loved the world, John tells us, John three sixteen. Sinners lost in rebellion, not looking for him. This world that God so loved was not a pretty world. You look back in history, we're not a very lovely group of people called humanity. In fact, this world is, Isaiah tells us, we, we sat in darkness and the light of Christ's love came to shine when Jesus was sent 2,000 years ago. That's what sin does. Isaiah 9 tells us, right? Those who are in the land of deep darkness, a light has shined, revealing to us God's love and grace for humanity. You know, in his love for us, he freely pours out grace into our lives. You know, grace to cover our failures and mistakes. Grace to cover my sin when I stumble and fall and choose to to go my way instead of God's way. But also grace to help me live the kind of life that God wants me to live. That word grace that we read about so often in our Bibles in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that we might find grace to help in our time of need. It means to have God's favor in our lives and assistance, his help, his support. Jesus shows up revealing that God loves you and he wants to help you. He's for you. That's what the story of Jesus coming to this earth begins to describe, right? For God so loved that he gave his only son. Since God became a man, Jesus lived among us. He's able to relate to us. He knows what it's like to be alone. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to not be believed. Even as a a young teenager, his family just did not believe in who he was, right? Uh, his, His siblings didn't believe in him when he began his ministry, 
He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one, to suffer, to be tempted, and certainly to experience loneliness. Jesus experienced all of that so that he might come and be an assistance to you and help you and give you grace and give me grace so that I might live out my life uh, without um, you know, leaving it unaided. I have Jesus who comes alongside me, God with us. He tells us in Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find, here's that word, grace, God's favor and assistance to help us when we need it the most. Those times in our life when you and I feel like, man, we just can't keep going. You know what Jesus, 2,000 years ago when he arrived, he lets you and I know that God wants to come to your side and he wants to give you strength. He wants you to give give you the ability uh, to keep moving forward, right? Jesus tells us, he said, uh, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's gentle, he tells us. He said, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. What does that mean? Again, it's a, he's letting us know who God is. This is God's heart. If there's ever been a passage that says, Jesus, what is your true heart for us? He would say, I am gentle and lowly in heart. You know what that means? It means that, that he associates with the lowest among us. He's the most accessible person in the universe. Those who are broken, those who recognize their need, those who, as Jesus said, are weary and heavy laden by the burdens of this life. He's the most accessible. He's ready to receive you and love on you, and help you, and help me. And our only qualifications are our brokenness and our need. We can go to him. We can receive grace to help in our time of need. Isaiah 9, 2 says, light has shined. Matthew 4 connects that prophecy when Jesus began his ministry. A light has shined on those who sit in darkness revealing to the world, this is who God is. He's a God full of love and grace. Again, the backdrop of Christmas is always John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Christmas ought to be a time for you and I to be reminded once again that there's a reason to have joy. There's a reason to sing with the world right now. Joy to the world, the Lord is come to remember that God loves you, to remember that God is for you, uh, not because you and I are lovely or have something to offer. It's just simply because it's his nature. God is love, and he loves you, and he loves me. You know, one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible is found in the book of Psalms. It says, no man cares for my soul. No man cares for my soul. You know, many people feel unloved. They feel alone. They feel unwanted. I think about all the different, you know, people that I've had conversations with, you know, and they're and just life, man, life is harsh. To go at life and then to have a misunderstanding of who God is, I, well, God must not like me either. God must not want me either, right? God does want you. That's why he sent Jesus to this planet 2,000 years ago. He wanted to reveal his awesome love for you, his grace that he wants to pour into your life and in my life, and he wants you. 
He wants relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He wants to experience his love and that that love would be an overflowing love out of your heart as his spirit is poured out in our hearts. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter five, his love never runs out. I love Romans chapter eight, verse 38. This was such a important verse and passage for me as a young Christian, as I was just sort of stumbling along in my walk with God, you know, understanding like, oh man, have I sinned too many times for God to take me back? Have I, have I, have I run out of his grace? Is his love, does his love have a stopping point? I love what Romans tells us in verse 38, chapter 8 and 39. He says, and I am convinced, Paul tells us, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. I love that word, nothing. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And in case you and I have questions about what about this, Paul, he says, neither death nor life. Bookends of your life, birth, death, nothing in between can separate you from God's love. What else? Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate you from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that. Nothing can separate you or me from the love of God. Jesus came to reveal to us God's heart of love for humanity. May you experience, Paul tells us, as he prayed for the Ephesian church, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. My prayer for you this Christmas season is that you begin to to dig deeper and to see as, as love is poured out in your heart, as you pursue him and get to know him and unfold and then allow the Holy Spirit to unfold all the beauty and wonder of the Christmas story as Jesus was sent to this world 2,000 years ago because God so loved the world to reveal to us his heart of love and grace. You know, the ultimate display of his love is the cross. When Jesus spread out his arms on the cross, Billy Graham said, it's as if he stretched out his arms and he says, this is how much I love you as he died in your place and died in my place. His love for us, it led him to go to the cross on my behalf and your behalf because of our sins. Our sins deserve God's wrath and Jesus went there for me and he went there for you and he went there for the entire world. As we talk about next week, that second purpose of of his uh, arrival was to redeem humanity from our sins. But he went there so that you and I could be made right with God, so that you and I could know God and be saved and spend eternity with him in heaven as well as know him personally now. You know, another verse that I would encourage you to read this Christmas season is 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Uh, John, in that passage, he really explains what the nativity stories mean, that God, he became a man. And John says, we saw him, we beheld him, we watched him with our eyes, we touched him, that God, who is the word, and John called him the eternal life. Jesus doesn't give eternal life. He is eternal life. He says, we saw him, and what we saw, we want to explain to you so that you might have fellowship with us. This whole reason for Christmas is not just so that you and I could have uh, uh, someone who died on the cross for our sins, 
but it's so that he could take away the barrier of sin so that you could have fellowship with God. That means oneness with him. That means intimate relationship with the God of the universe. See, that's what Jesus came to reveal. He loves you that much. He loves us that much. He wants you and I to know him. And John says, the eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us so that we might have fellowship with God. Close, intimate relationship. God became a man so that we could know him. We could be loved by him. We could have fellowship with God. And John wraps that up by saying, and this man brings a joy we can't contain. And, and he said, this, this, you know, uh, this idea of joy, he says, and we want you to have fellowship with us so that our joy may be full. It's as if John was saying, man, until you experience the joy of fellowship with God, our joy won't be filled up yet. Man, he wants you to know him. So how do we, how do we enter in, you know, the first week of December, a season, man, that really is going to be pulling you apart, so busy, you start dropping time with God. You start putting off your devos. I want to encourage you to work harder this season. Spend more time, unhurried time, meditating on God's word. Spending time praying to God. Remember, that's why he came, so that you might know him. As John says, that you might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. That your joy might be full. You know the joy of Christmas there's so many beautiful things. And, and, you know, I can't wait to see family members I haven't seen for almost a year now. I can't wait to, to you know, build some new traditions now with my granddaughter, you know, as we got her her own little mini bike. She could ride her. I'm just kidding. We didn't get a mini bike. But the greatest joy, my friend, and, and I'm so grateful for the, the, the many blessings that God peppers in our life, beautiful friendships, marriages that are great, children, grandchildren, co-workers, believers in our life, reminding us that of what it means to be a part of a community. You know what I mean? But friends, the greatest joy is going to come from the source of all life and joy, Jesus Christ himself. Don't miss it this Christmas. Spend that time with him. Get to know him. Develop your relationship with him. Reflect on John 3.16 this Christmas season. Remind yourself of his love and also remind somebody else that God's love, God's love for them. You know, next week we're going to talk about uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be perishing and why Jesus came to this earth, not only to reveal God's love, but to redeem humankind from their sins. Maybe you're watching today and you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't, I don't know God personally. I don't have fellowship with God. Maybe you think about Christianity as like, you know, um, good advice. Hey, start making better choices with your life. Then God will accept you. Um, you know, start living a healthier life. Well, then God will love you and he'll show his love to you. It's not good advice. It's called good news. The good news is that uh, Jesus came to do something for us that we couldn't do, which was to get rid of our sin. He came to live a perfect life. He lived it on my behalf. And then he went to the cross and he absorbed all the wrath that my sin deserved on his own dear life and body as God's wrath was poured out on his dear son that, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Here's the reality. For you to accept this gift of God's love and, his, and a relationship with him, you have to humble yourself. You have to admit to God that you're a sinner. 
You have to recognize that you too sit in darkness like we all do. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. And today, my friend, you could surrender your heart to God. You could tell God right now, God, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I choose to turn from my own life, living life my own way, and I choose to believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you're the son of God and you rose from the dead. And God, I want you to come into my life. You know, the Bible says that whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've gone. God loves you, and he's calling you to turn to him today. You just, you pray to God, Lord, for, I, I come to you right now, God. I'm asking for you to, to forgive me of my sin. I admit to you I'm a sinner. God, come into my life and make me a new person today. And God, help me to do your will from this day forward. And you pray that in sincerity. The Bible says that Christ will come into your life. And if you pray that prayer this week, last week, or whenever, would you reach out to us? We would love to send you a Bible, your own Bible, and just some helpful tools and material to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us next Sunday. You can do that not only here on our YouTube channel, but you can also join us next Sunday live where we're going to be out in the cold at 9 a.m. And we'll be distanced from one another. But man, we're going to worship out there in the cold and uh, and we're going to have a great time. But if you can't make it, we'll be here again. Invite someone to join you next Sunday or to watch with you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.